0: But there's a lot of dollars on the table there too, and so you know, on the one hand, it's great to do the right thing and, and whatever. But we can buy your app. We can uh, we can purchase things through your app. We can pay for your services. There's there's money there that you know we might be willing to spend if we're able to. And so, don't be shy about using that as a motivator. There's there's dollars on the.
1: This is Season 2, Episode 103 of the Your Own Pay Podcast. Visit yourownpay.com slash 103. Joined by Steve. In this interview, I had the honors of being joined by an amazing individual who's known me longer than my wife's known me. Isn't that impressive? Longer than my son has been alive. This guy was a blast to interview, and I'm thankful, very thankful that Mr. C- Steve Sauson there for a minute, I almost butchered his first name, gave me his most valuable commodity, that is time, just like I want to thank you, for giving me your most valuable commodity and giving it to Steve too, time. Today we're going to talk about accessibility and how it makes the user interface better for everyone. You'll also learn how sometimes some people will do just about anything for a six pack and a pizza. If you like today's podcast, don't forget to leave a review and hit up Steve on Twitter. You'll learn how at the end. Oh, one thing. Towards the end, you'll notice that it sounds a little weird. we got a little audio synchronization issue for the last five questions, and especially the contact section. I ended up having to give Steve's email. You can also find that in the show notes. Hit up youronpay.com slash 103. Let's get into it, guys. First, the host of the most. Powered by Libsyn, the largest podcast host and distribution network since 2004. Libsyn.com and welcome back to the your Own pay podcast as i said in the introduction i'm joined today by a guy who i've known for almost 10 years now it's amazing how time flies when you're having fun and it's an honor of mine to have mr steve sonson here on the podcast steve i apologize if i butchered your last name uh, can you go ahead and pronounce that the proper way and introduce yourself to people
0: you have it totally correct michael and it's great to be here it's amazing that it's been uh, so many years already uh, Steve Sossin is my name, and I am originally from, well, was raised in upstate New York, but lived in Maine for a long time, and uh, married my wife, who was from Maine, so I sort of married into the state, and now I'm living in Minneapolis, so sort of a uh, a transplant to Minneapolis. I found the one place colder than the one I left, so... <laughs> Yeah, sort of hanging out here for a couple of years. I work on accessibility projects and work from home and do a lot of blogging and podcasting and General troublemaking, I guess, would be a good way to summarize all of that I do.
1: Getting into trouble and having fun while you do it.
0: <laughs> Boy, you know, it seems to find me naturally, or I find it naturally. I'm not sure, but yeah, it seems to be a theme. That's what I'm told anyway.
1: <laughs> it just happens to work out that way, you know. You mentioned that you work at home and you do accessibility. First of all, you're completely blind, is that correct?
0: I am, yep, not completely blind. And
1: have you been blind since birth? I have been, yep. Okay. Have you done accessibility work all your life as well?
0: Well, you know, I got into it sort of by by accident. I went to college, and I didn't know there was such a thing as an accessibility field. I just always had to sort of troubleshoot my own problems, and I was a computer geek, so I didn't mind doing this. And after college, I moved to Maine with my then-fiancé, and uh, I was all... Ready to go to work as a network engineer, and I was sitting at home, and I knew my phone was going to ring any minute, and I was going to get the call from that company that wanted to hire me because I was just out of school and I knew everything. You know what? The phone didn't ring except for uh, you know automated calls and things like that, and that's very depressing. <laughs> Time and, uh, for your student loan payments. Uh, exactly, you know. And so I'm sitting there, and a buddy of mine called me up, and he he'd gotten a job with an answering service, and. He couldn't start because the state hadn't come and modified his system yet to work with speech. And he was frustrated because his unemployment had run out and the employer was frustrated because they had this guy that they had hired, but he wasn't actually able to start work yet. And the state was still like six weeks behind. And so he called and he says, you know, I know you know some of this stuff. Would you be willing to help me? And I told him that, you know, for a six pack and a pizza, I'd do just about (laughs) anything in those days. Well, these days too, but anyway, <laughs> the point is, I uh, agreed to go help him, and I did. And he um, told his state counselor about me, and the state counselor called me and said, "You know, we have more of this overflow work because we're just really behind. If you you know are interested, we might be willing to pay for some of that work." And I thought, well, great, that means more six packs and more pizzas. So we'll do this. And so that was in like the the mid to late nineties, and it's it kind of started there. And then I realized that this is a thing. So I did a lot of uh, direct training, working with people directly, teaching technology. We even taught things like the Braille and Speak back in the day, because <laughs> that's what people had. And, uh, you know, eventually there was this new JAWS thing that we kept hearing about in the Windows screen readers. And so we, we uh, did training on that for, you know, for the longest time. And then I just sort of evolved from there. I started learning more and doing more in the accessibility space and eventually um, uh, went to work for Target and did some stuff um, for Target Corporate in the accessibility space. And now I work for uh, a consulting company called DQ, which does uh, accessibility work for a lot of uh, larger companies. So that's sort of my journey and how I got started.
1: That is an awesome journey. Oh man, the Braille and Speak. You mean the days before there was a Braille display attached to your note taker?
0: <laughs> well, the TypeLite had a Braille display. The old, There was an old oh, yeah. thingy called the type light, which is this uh, big Braille and Speak with this very sort of faint Braille. And um, a couple of people had them. They were really amazing back in the day it's amazing to think back to how far we've come in terms of of technology you know we used to have to teach people when email was a thing we used to have to teach people how to dial into their shell account and use Unix-based email programs to check their mail using the Braille speak. So you know we've we've come a long way.
1: Yeah, those were the days. Yeah. Uh, now now we can record conversations from our computer and check our notifications from our wrists. Exactly. That's yeah, about we all we can do from the watch right way. now. That's <laughs> yes, about that. that's about it. Yeah. So Steve, what does you've you've mentioned accessibility a couple of times, and for me, I live a kind of unique way. If something doesn't work for me in one, one operating system or in one browser, to be honest with you, I will jump to a different browser, a different, different operating system until I find that combination that I can get it to work. And then I'll just remember what that combination is. So what is accessibility for you? And have you ever found yourself in that situation to try to figure out what works best?
0: Well, I, f- I find myself daily in that situation. I've got quite a few browsers and screen readers and such uh, installed here and a lot of things available to me for testing and that sort of thing. But accessibility really is ensuring that people can access a website. So if it's a blind person you know, like, like us, you want to make sure that, of course, the site is accessible in a, in a particular browser with particular screen readers that we can access it. But you know, the other piece that often gets left out of the conversation is blind people aren't the only people with disabilities on the planet. And so accessibility is also in part ensuring that people who are only able to utilize a keyboard, maybe because of mobility impairments or because they're using technologies that emulate. And, you know, a lot of sites today require that you hover over things with the mouse or that you click on certain things. Mm -hmm. And we need to make sure that there are alternative ways to do that. If someone is deaf, we want to make sure that videos have closed captioning so that they're able to read the dialogue that's happening Within the video, so accessibility goes beyond blindness, and it really is basically ensuring that everyone is able to access everything. You know, part of the way we do that, the the W3C, which is the standards body that created the web, as it were, has come up with guidelines that they recommend people follow, and they're called the the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines, uh, WCAG is how I pronounce it, but (laughs) it's basically a set of of guidelines that the W3C, which are the same folks that come up with you know HTML and the other Standards that govern the web, um, they've come up with this WCAG uh, version two, and that defines all of the different accessibility standards that they recommend people follow. And that's kind of been used as the standard for determining whether something is, you know, in quotes, accessible mm-hmm. or not. Mm-hmm. Um, the document is old, though. The document was written in, you know, 2007 and so technology has come a long way and it hasn't been revised yeah. so the question is how do how do we interpret now dynamically updating content that didn't really exist when that document was created how do how do we make things applicable to that and so part of it is the challenge of of helping companies conform with that document but doing so in a way that allows them to use the newer technologies that the document didn't address you
1: know right Right. And so that's what your guys is, uh, that's what DQ does is helps companies with conforming with that document.
0: Uh, Yeah. Sort of across the range, right? We help companies uh, do assessments, figure out where are they right right now, you know, what work do you need to do kind of thing. And then figure out, um, you know, how to, how to get there, how to, how to conform, how to uh, meet whatever, whether it's that document or another one, that's, that's the main one that people refer to, but there's others as well. Mm. Um, Some are specific to industries like uh, the airline industry. And then the exciting part of what I do, and this is really what keeps me doing it, is uh, I like to help companies develop a plan, a strategy, so that they can keep doing it, right? Right. It does no good if I help them make their site accessible today and I tell them what to to do and how to do it. And that's great until they update it, because once they update it, they're going to break it again, Mm -hmm. right? And so, or, you know, they're going to get new developers that they hire on or people are going to leave, whatever. And so the thing that I enjoy doing is helping companies come up with strategies for, continuing this work so that accessibility becomes part of what they do and you know that might mean training modules it might mean quality assurance processes depending on the organization right but it's basically ensuring that accessibility is is just something that we do kind of thing um, going forward so next year when they produce their new site or they hire a new batch of developers or they go in a different direction or you know whatever that accessibility still remains a part of of that and they don't need to be dependent on you know me or someone like me to test it and kind of you know guide them through it
1: yeah and and that kind of goes with the point that i've heard i don't know if it was specifically from you or from other individuals but that it's easier to implement accessibility when you're designing a project than to go back in and retrofit it with accessibility is that correct
0: it really is because oftentimes and and sadly that's oftentimes not what happens oftentimes you know, someone will purchase something or build something and then it gets all the way to the end and they say, Oh, what about accessibility? And it's like, Well, it doesn't it doesn't work and we can't build that in because we'd have to rewrite it or we'd have to rewrite significant portions and now you're coming up with sort of a band-aid strategy of how do we how do we do that? Where if we kind of sat down at the table initially and looked at, okay, these are the things we needed to do. The same way that, you know, they look at security, for example, right? This is, um, you don't buy a a payment system, for example, and get all the way to the end and say, oh, how does this thing keep credit card numbers secure? Like, it's kind of a given, right? Right. Like, duh. And and so accessibility is kind of like that, that we need to, at the beginning of the process, uh, really make sure that we say, you know, hey, um, in addition to... uh, keeping credit card numbers secure or patient uh, information confidential or whatever, the system also needs to be accessible and just make that a requirement throughout the process so that there's no getting to the end and in, in being like, oops, now how do we do this? You know, the same way we wouldn't, purchase a, a medical system if we were a doctor and be like oh yeah by the way does this does this keep our, our patient info <laughs> confidential oh it doesn't well how can we how can we do that because right. we don't want our patients to see each other's records you know
1: <laughs> would you be confident in saying that you know providing accessibility would also provide an easier to use user user interface all around for everyone
0: you know usually that's the case accessibility and user experience are kind of natural allies I mean the idea behind accessibility is getting people to be able to use it mm-hmm. right making mm-hmm. it usable. And so a lot of times, quote, accessibility ideas will, will make things easier to use. For example, um, there's a lot of color contrast requirements for accessibility. But the reality is, if you adopt those color requirements, it makes it easier for everyone to see the screen. Mm-hmm. So, for example, a mobile screen, that might be difficult to see in the sun because it's you know, the glare, mm-hmm if you implement the same color contrast stuff that accessibility requires, it makes it a lot easier to view that little, you know, tablet or mobile screen. If you're, you're outside in the sun or the font sizes, you know, um, there's accessibility requirements, but if, you know, you may have perfect vision and still at the end of a day, after looking at the screen all day and, and doing whatever it is you do, you know, you get tired and a little headachy and having that extra, you know, slightly larger font that would, would meet accessibility requirements makes it easier to read, especially as your eyes get tired or people who are older mm-hmm. might not identify as being disabled, but they have trouble hearing, you know, or they have trouble uh, moving their mouse and, and holding it steady on, on icons. Some of the icons are too small for people who are older and, and might have tremors to, to click on. And so you have, you know, a group of people that don't identify as, as being disabled mm-hmm. You know, they are a huge group of people that need to be able to click the buttons on on your site and purchase the product you're selling and read the stuff that you're offering. And so, accessibility sort of naturally bridges over and and helps everyone. Well,
1: not only that, uh, it does help everyone. But I was listening to a podcast. I forget which one it was the other day, where someone was explaining how they were in a wireless store and talking with the representative who didn't realize that Assistive Touch was an accessibility feature on the iPhone something that people might be using on a daily basis. And then it's also one of those things that gets confused and you well, you personally wouldn't be surprised but some listeners might be surprised of how many times I get told, oh you're using Siri on your iPhone? <laughs>
0: well, text messaging. I mean, the regular good old text messages that we take for granted and send way too much of every day. One of the reasons text messaging came into being was to allow the deaf to communicate via cell phones. The challenge was, if you have a cell phone, how can a deaf person communicate using this device? And someone said, you know, it'd be great if we could send messages and then deaf people could just read back and forth instead of talking back and forth. And the idea of text messaging evolved and it was introduced in 1991. And yeah, now now teenagers all over the world have uh, (laughs) chronic thumb conditions because of this but you know it it went mainstream mm-hmm. and really it was not supposed to they never really thought it would go mainstream the cell companies wanted people to use their minutes because they charged by the minute yeah. and, and you know a lot in those days per minute and so they had no interest in it and and really it was supposed to be an accessibility thing to help people who couldn't hear and uh, yet now it's a mainstream thing everyone texts and we all get notifications and it's this whole idea of you know, what started out, for one thing, wound up being adopted into the uh,
1: to the mainstream. And that's interesting. I never knew that about text messages. So I, I appreciate yeah. the history lesson today. Thank you. If someone was building a project, because some of the listeners that listen to the podcast uh, are involved in either developing web pages or they're possibly considering developing applications, what are some resources you could point someone at if they're considering making the application or website as accessible as possible to everyone?
0: You know, there's a lot of them out there, and the trick is to not be overwhelmed. Um, A lot of the information is very overwhelming, and you can find everything from from free resources to uh, uh, very pricey resources, uh, depending on on needs. Often Google, whatever it is you're doing, and just add the word accessibility Mm -hmm. will help. This will especially help people. For example, um, jQuery is something that I, I, I work a lot with, and so querying, you know, for jQuery and accessibility will help. There's a lot of framework stuff that's being done. Uh, Apple has extensive documentation if you're an iOS person uh, or an OS 10, uh, you know, person. Uh, there's tons of documentation from Apple. Google also has tons of documentation on Android, and of course, uh, well, mainly yeah. Android and um, how to code for accessibility on that. Uh, and then does Microsoft accessibility? Have Do you know? Microsoft does have some stuff yeah they don't have I don't know that they have a lot from the coding perspective but they definitely have a lot from the perspective of some of their tools mm-hmm. the there's also uh, WebAIM, web aim web has a lot of resources and articles tons of blog articles out there uh, DQ the company I work for um, hashtag selfish self selfish selfish <laughs> selfish. Hashtag selfless shame promotion. Can't, can't even say it. I was gonna say. Let's try this again. Hashtag shameless self promotion. DQ offers something called DQ University. Uh, DQ University. DQ is D E Q U uh, E University dot and that's a a paid thing. But we have courses on everything from accessibility fundamentals and what is it to uh, JavaScript and jQuery to uh, html5 and and stuff that is way above my head but there's a lot of different courses you can take online uh, depending on your skill level and your in your need twitter's a great resource and i'm more than happy to uh, to share resources and and try to network people with each other because you know the way i figure it um if it takes me five minutes to put someone in contact with someone else that might be able to help them with their accessibility journey. And because of that, they're able to make their app accessible or their website accessible. That's going to help a ton of people. You know, it's, it's five minutes of my time, but if it gets them on the right path, you know, gosh knows how many people are going to benefit. So totally use me. And I, I may not have all the answers, but I may know someone who does. I might be able to point someone in the right direction. And I'm, you know, I'm happy to kind of throw myself out there to, you know to do that if people want to like a, a person
1: slipping down slippery slopes i think i might need to go trademark yeah. that one uh, I, i'm fond of telling people I'm, i don't know everything <laughs> but i probably know someone who does
0: the trick i i don't want to know everything you know I, I went through this phase you know while i was waiting for my phone to ring and i did know everything back right after mm-hmm. college you know and uh, i decided you know knowing everything didn't really help no. me at all um i you know <laughs> Um, there's other people that know this stuff really, really well and specialize in specific areas. And so I'd rather, you know, network people together than, than pretend I know everything there is to know about iOS development. I know enough to know some, but <laughs> I know other people who know a lot and have, you know, have done this right. and, and then who knows your, your, whoever is listening, who is uh, doing this might be uh, the next the next person that we then, you know, maybe you'll be able to help someone else going forward. That's often how it is with accessibility. I uh, I worked with a woman once who knew nothing about accessibility. She now knows a ton of stuff, way more than I do in, in a certain area, and um, is kind of uh, highly in demand, you know, because it's just something that she became passionate about, and that's fantastic. So. Yeah
1: yeah, yeah and, and turning that passion into a lifestyle definitely can make a difference. you
0: know let's not forget the, the folks that are that have disabilities uh, or would benefit by accessibility accessibility I'll put it that way because we as mentioned earlier uh, the aging population benefits by a lot of these accessibility things even though they don't identify as, as disabled. You know, I got to tell you, it was my braille teacher. I had this braille (laughs) teacher who was old and wicked. At least that's what I used to tell her. I used to tell her she was old and wicked and I used to throw tantrums and she would still make me read and she would make me do my math homework and she was relentless and evil. And, um, you know, but she, she pushed me to do more. She pushed me to do better. She, advocated for me to get my first computer system. And this is like in the eighties. So getting a computer was a huge deal back then, uh, and getting the funding for it. She was convinced that this would be the path for me and I needed to learn technology and I needed to be self-sufficient. And, and, um, she really just pushed me to do that despite my efforts to, uh, to thwart her at every turn. And so she saw something in me that I definitely didn't see. And if she, wasn't such a hard-ass, you know, frankly, I I would not have been successful. Yeah, I had just a a very profound influence, and I just, you know, I wish other blind kids, and, you know, kids in general, I guess, not even blind kids, I wish other kids in general just had that kind of experience, because so many don't.
1: Steve, thanks a lot for that, man. appreciate it. So we can all thank that amazing Braille teacher of yours. Wonderful. Now, Here's a question for you. Number two might not be as hard, but what is one book that's influenced your life? Oh man,
0: all these difficult questions. Dude, I need to have coffee before we can do these. A book that has changed my life.
1: Mine's honestly Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I've not even read that one. I think it's a pretty awesome one.
0: I've heard of that one though. I'll have to check that one out. God, you know, I'd have to say, and this is going to sound so quaint or, Trite or something, but something like *To Kill a Mockingbird* or something like that, where there's adversity and you know, books where standing up for um, something is 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 viewed as wrong, but someone does thing something because it's the right thing to do. I, I'd have to say something like like *To Kill a Mockingbird* because so often I I find myself not in like, obviously not in his position, but in that position where. You know, I, I, someone will say, well, geez, you know, why are we doing this for blind people? I mean, there's not that many of them, right? There's not that much return on the dollar for this. Like, you know, it's going to cost us thousands of dollars to do this just so a couple of blind people can access our site. What the hell's the point? Sometimes you have to kind of stand up and say, you know what, this is not This is not okay. We need, to, we need to do something different here because what we're doing is wrong. It might be cost effective.
1: Or- hey, Steve, what's one online service? That you can't live without.
0: That I can't live without? Is that what your question?
1: Yeah, that you can't live without. That you'd be lost without in your life.
0: Man. I, you know, you gotta stop this. One service. You know what? I got it. I got this one. It's Google. It's Google Docs. I love Google Docs. I am a I love all of Google's stuff. There's a bunch <laughs> of other NPR ish type things. I also like Radio Lab. NPR puts out a thing called Radio Lab. This has gotta be the coolest podcast on the planet. Um, radio lab it they'll they'll talk about a subject or whatever but they do it with sound effects and they sort of dramatize they don't dramatize the whole thing but they they make it come to life in a way using audio in a a way i've never heard done before it's really (laughs) really cool Um, they just use recording techniques and editing techniques that make you feel like you're really there they did a, a podcast for example on how anesthesia works. They talked about it, and then they, using sound effects, sort of illustrated how, you know, what happens in the brain when various uh, um, nerve centers are blocked and things like that, and what that would sort of look like audibly. I mean, it was just ir- incredibly cool to listen to to how they, you know, did that. So anyway, Radiolab is probably my favorite. And, then, yeah. uh,
1: and what we can do with technology is honestly impressive. Uh, the way that technology has evolved has given us the ability to enjoy entertainment like what it sounds like uh radio lab can do so thanks for that steve last question here might be a little bit one of those difficult ones Mm. i apologize kind of sort of not really someone goes blind tomorrow what's one piece of advice you'd tell them
0: um you're not alone I think the biggest thing people who, who lose their vision suddenly or unexpectedly is it's a very lonely feeling. You're suddenly in a world where everything becomes unfamiliar. All the things you thought you knew, you don't know anymore. All the ways you used to do things don't work anymore. And it's a very isolating and lonely feeling. And uh, there's, a, there's, I think, a lot of feelings of helplessness and inadequacy. And, and psychologically, it's just a real challenge. What I would say is, you know, you're, you're not the first person to go through this. You won't be the last sadly. And, um, you're not alone. There are other people out there who have gone through, if not exactly what you've gone through, then something similar, um, you know, reach out, try to, to, um, get connected. Um, there's lots of organizations that vary by state, but there's lots of organizations that can help put you in contact with, um, other individuals who are going through or have gone through what you've gone through Um, and also people, resources who can help train you, train you on technology, of course, but also on basic things. You know, how do you, how do you move around now? You know, how do you get around now that you're blind? How do you, um, how do you take care of yourself? How do you cook? How do you clean? How do you shave? You know, whatever, whatever you might need.
1: Heard it from the man who knows what he's talking about. Thanks a lot for that, Steve. Appreciate it. There is help out there. You're not the only one to go through this, and there are other people who can give you a hand. Don't hesitate to ask for help. Steve, you are amazing. Appreciate you for joining. Go ahead. Take a moment. Tell people how they can get a, get a hold of you. Well,
0: absolutely. Uh, probably the best to, the two best ways to do it would be email or Twitter. I am quite the Twitter addict, and so if you are on the Twitter, <laughs> yeah, I, it's, it's a serious problem with me. But anyway, uh, I am on Twitter Steve of Maine. That's Steve of I M-A-I-N-E, like the state. And if you follow me and I don't follow you back, it's because I don't know if you're real or not. So send me a message and I'll know. And I probably check that more than my email, unless my boss is listening (laughs) to this, in which case I always
1: check my word email. Hit up the show notes for Steve's email. Steve, unfortunately, that's where the audio got too butchered to be able to salvage it. But I'll tell you what. You can head on over to yourownpay.com forward slash 103. That's yourownpay.com forward slash 103 to get today's show notes and email Steve. Check out his website, too. You're listening to Your Own Pay. Show notes and additional content available at yourownpay.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and most of your other favorite social media sites at PayO. Never stop being amazing.